welcome to the Game of Crowdfunding Interview Edition, recorded Wednesday, May 13th, 2015. That's right, we're back with another interview with somebody that has a great project on Kickstarter right now that I'm really interested in getting into the conversation about. But first, I want to thank Adam C., one of our Patreon supporters. Without our Patreon supporters, of course, we would no longer be doing the Game of Crowdfunding interviews. So thank you, Adam, for supporting us on Patreon and allowing us to continue having these great conversations with project creators. All right. So like I said, we're going to be talking to somebody tonight that has a project running right now on Kickstarter. Who is joining me on Skype tonight? My name is Brent Critchfield. I'm the president of a company called Studio Woe. And I'm the creator of a card game called Gruff, a game about mutated monster goats. Yes. And of course, we'll be talking about Gruff as we go along here. But before we do that, we are going to do our normal intro questions, our warm-up questions, and then we'll have a conversation and get to know Brent and a little bit about what he's got going on and how it came to be that he made a card game about mutated goats. And he has a Kickstarter project going on right now, and we'll talk about that on the uh, later half of the episode here. But before that, warm-up question time. Sounds good. Sock it to me. So our first warm-up question, of course, is what makes you a geek, sir? Well, I consider myself a bit of an alpha nerd. I uh, Tonight I'm actually rolling up some characters for a D&D campaign, uh, so I love all types of tabletop games, miniature games, uh, and definitely video games. Uh, it's kind of what my whole life revolves around. All right. So the question, of course, for that then is, what edition of D&D? Ooh, I'm actually not playing D&D. I'm playing Pathfinder, but ah, I like to consider that 3.5. So rolling up a druid tonight. Love me some Pathfinder, so good call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I dig it. I'm excited about 5th. I haven't sunk my teeth into it yet, but eventually. Yeah, you know, so far, 5th is the only edition I haven't just run out and bought, even though I haven't played D&D in forever, I usually at least still pick up the core books. Yeah, I'm the same way. I just like to collect the books, but I haven't done it with fifth yet. I intend to, but I haven't done it yet. I usually pre-order them. Yeah, I'm in the, I'm in the same boat with you, uh, but I've got like a ton of Pathfinder stuff. I've got a bunch of Shadowrun stuff around here. Uh, and still I don't get the RPG that often, but if I ever get the call and the time, (laughs) I'm ready, man. (laughs) You'll make it happen. When the bat signal, the nerd bat signal comes up, you'll be right there. <laughs> and, of course, one of our other warm-up questions is, we like to say that, you know, you can geek out about anything if you have the passion level for it. So we like to ask, do you have a geek-level passion for something that the typical person would not consider geek-related? It's a little bit geeky still, but I'm a very passionate artist, so I can I can drone on about art history and uh, illustration and all of those guys. I uh, I do love me some arts. I think I, I pretty much agree. I don't think there's a, I don't think the typical person would necessarily consider art geeky, but again, it's it's all on your passion level for something. We accept that answer. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Then the last warm-up question we have, and and I think this is probably going to be part of our getting-to-know-you conversation anyway, it sounded like, from your intro, but we always like to ask, uh, what do you do besides make games? What do you do for a living? Uh, and you can be as general or specific as you would like. Well, I'm, I make games for a living, but I make video games. I work at a very prominent uh, competitive PC gaming company, 
and I work on art and art related problems for video games. Nice. So, uh, you may be responsible for some of the, uh, beautiful art I, uh, I have on my consoles. <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, I made I've made over a dozen console games nice. uh, over my career, and currently I'm working on PC games. All right, and then of course, hopefully, we'll get into a bit of a conversation about how some of those skills were able to transition over for uh, board game design or tabletop design. Yep, there's a lot of spill over there. <laughs> okay, so how about we start with how Studio Woe came to be? Studio Woe is a a collaboration, a synergy between Virginia Critchfield and I. So the logo for Studio Woe is this giant fluffy sheep and this uh, mean-looking goat that have been sewn together at the at the waist, and that's basically the two of us. I'm this big fluffy sheep dude, and uh, she's this uh, uh, amazing gnarly goat person. And uh, together we're making we're we're trying to make devastating levels of awesome. We're trying to make uh, things that are so amazing it'll it'll be catastrophic. Uh, it'll be catastrophic. It'll be. They'll have to fly in choppers to relieve people from how awesome our art is, or at least that's the hope. It's a kind of a forward-thinking mission statement. <laughs> Was this like a premonition of things to be with mutated goats? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, the logo was... So um, Virginia began a sketchbook project where she just picked a theme, and her theme was goats, and she just wanted to see how far she could push this idea of goats, and so she made goats that look like harps and goats that look like bowls of pudding and just hundreds uh, of these these horrible monster goats. And we really liked this one that we turned into our logo. And then we liked the the idea of the monster goats so much, we kind of turned it into a game. <laughs> awesome. It's all sort of related. So walk me through a little bit here, or, or let's discuss a little bit. You, you, you work in the video game industry. You have a, a huge passion for art, and, and of course that works into your employment in the video game industry. At what point did you kind of decide that you wanted to look at tabletop gaming from the business perspective, not, not only designing, but potentially from a business perspective? Well, that's a good question. I Being in the games industry and just kind of being in that mindset, I'm always like sitting around thinking about like, what kind of games can I make? Like what would be a fun sort of thing to create? But it kind of boils down to, well, what can I do with the skill set that I have? And so with Virginia being an artist and me being an artist and both being passionate about game design, it became really appealing to look at, at creating a card game. And I've always loved card games, games like magic, the gathering. And uh, I love commander magic, cube drafting magic, but all of those type of things like Yu-Gi-Oh! Pokemon, uh, Android Netrunner, all kind of uh, started pushing me in that direction. Okay, so for a lot of, or some game designers, I would say a, a good portion of game designers at times, and myself included with as a hobbyist game designer, we can get through the a lot of the game design stuff and a lot of the early playtesting stuff, but a lot of times where we sometimes hit that roadblock is Art, of course. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, I can screw up a stick figure if you give me the body and two and two and the arms. Uh, I'm still going to screw it up. So this is where this is where I move on to the next game, kind of thing. And so, obviously, with the two of you, you've got that art background. But how did you feel going through 
the game design process itself. Well, that that is kind of a this is a really interesting place to be in of actually designing a game from the ground up and having it be completely on me. And what I discovered, and I I wasn't expecting it, was how much of a bottleneck playtesting was going to be, like how important it was to get other eyes on the game and uh, developing a new level of humility where if someone says they don't like something about this precious little baby that you've set in front of them, <laughs> to just kind of be able to sit back and say like, okay, it's okay. It's still like me, or maybe they don't like me, but I can learn something from, from the feedback. And so that the getting into that mindset was an extremely valuable thing. And how about the collaboration process? How did that go? Is that something I'm assuming in, in the video game space, you're used to a lot of collaboration, but on a, personalized project like this how was collaboration for you guys well you know it's something that you're always there's always a room to grow in the space of collaboration but uh, it's been good part of it again goes back to that humility equation of just being able to to listen and hear feedback and and just test a lot and show it to each other and then uh one thing i found as i've shown it to people is that you'll You'll hear a problem here and another problem here. And what I try to do when I'm designing is trying to find the common thread between all of the feedback that I'm hearing and then be able to come up with a solution that solves all of that at the same time. That's kind of how collaboration has worked for me on this project. And is Gruff the first uh, game that you've designed or have you had other designs that maybe haven't made it this far? Well, I've worked on a lot of games and arguably they've all been Gruff. Uh, I started working on a, a tabletop miniature game that used a card game engine about 10 years ago. And at some point, we ripped the tabletop minis side of it out and it started becoming a card game. And then that card game was kind of about like witches versus werewolves in like the American West, where you'd fight like a mechanized version of Carnegie Mellon and a cyborg John Henry. And that kind of hit a wall, actually that same sort of art wall that you're describing of like, this is still going to take a lot of art to get done. And even though I can do the art myself, it still takes a lot of time. So we started looking at these uh, monster goats and then it sort of dawned on me, oh, like we should make this game about a twisted version of the the Billy Goat's Gruff fairy tale. And that's sort of where uh, where this thing sort of came from. Nice. You know, you actually um, triggered something when you were talking there and I think it's an interesting thing to kind of think about. Myself and a lot of people are very envious of people that can do the artwork and all that stuff, obviously, because that is a huge barrier for us. But at the same time, you know, just listening to you talk, there's also that from your end where it's you've got to divide your time because you're trying you're you're doing all aspects of it. So your time gets divided a little bit more potentially than, say, me just focusing straight on design. I'm designing this. That's my that's what I'm doing. This is my process. I'm doing the playtesting. And I know eventually I'm going to get to a point where I need to just give it to somebody else for for art or something where you are potentially, and correct me if I'm wrong, obviously, uh, are looking at it all the way through. And sometimes you might go, hey, there's, I, I need this piece of art and, and you want to start working on that. Um, so your time gets divided a little bit, a little bit different at times. Is, is that well, a yeah, correct you, statement? <laughs> you're absolutely right. We actually, even though both Virginia and I are artists, we actually hired out some of our color work to uh, another artist called, named Avery Coleman. And he came in and helped us out a little bit. So even though we could have done it all in, completely entirely in-house uh we still kind of have to lean on specialists 
that can help smooth things over. Yeah, the fact of the matter is, is that you really only have 24 hours in a day, and very little of that time you actually get to choose how you get to spend it. So you want to really optimize the, your your seconds when you're in this kind of project. Gruff is coming out through Studio Woe, correct? You're, you're kind of using the the company right. that you already have, uh, and it's you're pr- primarily focused on art through Studio Woe up to this point, right? Yeah, that's right. Studio Woe is a contract and freelance art solution house for video games, so and other tabletop games. So these other companies will come to us and say. We'd like a couple characters created, or we'd like an environment created, or we're getting ready to make our Kickstarter. Can you help us out with art? And so that's one of the things that Studio One does. So then one of my questions that I, I'm always curious to ask, and this seems like a good question for you, <laughs> since you are on the art side and, and this is the first game that you're going through and, and your first Kickstarter, I'm always curious about people because we've had people on all spectrum, uh, on both ends of the spectrum and in the middle. So the spectrum between I really don't want to do self-publishing, I don't want to become a publisher, but it's a quote-unquote necessary evil right now because I want to put my game out the way I, I the way it is, so I'm going to self-publish it and I will you know, deal with the manufacturing and printing and all that stuff. All the way to, I absolutely love publishing. And you know what? We decided that we're not really game maker, game designers. We're just going to be full time publishers. Where in that spectrum do you fall in? I definitely see the, uh, the publishing side of things as being a bit of a necessary evil. I would rather be spending my time doing art and making cool games than, uh, trying to make sure that all these I's are dotted and T's are crossed with manufacturing and distribution and fulfillment like there's just a lot of other elements of this equation that i guess i knew it was going to happen when i got into it but i hadn't really thought it through until i actually got to the to that point and realized how much work it actually is that being said i'm not hating it it's just uh if i had a choice to between the two of those things i'd definitely rather be designing okay so then a follow-up question would be what made you decide to go the Kickstarter self-publishing route, or did you potentially look for a publisher early on? Yeah, uh, Gen Con last year, we fished around for a publisher for Gruff, and we talked to a couple companies and uh, got pretty far in discussions, but Gruff was at a much earlier state. In fact, now that I'm thinking about it, that might have been two years ago. Yeah, we uh, we talked to several people, and but then again, uh, we it's complicated in the case of Gruff because Gruff is sort of the... Uh, the creative end of Studio Woe. And so for a lot of things, uh, Gruff ends up being promotional material for our own studio. So f- when you're thinking about that, uh, that problem, it became a lot more uh, appealing to do it internally. Another follow I, I, I kind of already have my answer for this, I think, but I'll just go ahead and put it out there for you. Would you at any point be interested in if everything goes well, which it is going very well for you right now, but let's say, you know, you, you get a few projects or maybe you guys do some games, some other games or expansions for gruff and everything goes along really well and, and very successful. Would you ever be in a position where you go, you know what, maybe I could uh, publish other people's games. Mm, No, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I, I thought I already had my answer for that, but I still <laughs> thought I'd still put it out there. Yeah, right now we've got a lot of other things on our plates. I think we'd definitely be in the interest or interested in 
supporting other people's games from the subject of creating art or supporting design. But I don't think I would really want to want to go through the uh, logistics side of it <laughs> just voluntarily, just for fun. <laughs> okay. You know, you said that you kind of hit a bit of a, a wall when you started learning about how important the playtesting side of things is. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Um, what did what did you guys do for playtesting, and how did you kind of integrate that into your process a bit? When uh, Graph really started taking off was when I actually got into the habit of taking my prototype down to the local game shop and just sitting there and just kind of waiting for somebody to be interested in my game and then playing it with them and getting their feedback and then taking the feedback home, creating a new revision, and just going back in the morning and doing it again. So that was actually the very first way I started developing feedback. I'm really lucky to work in the games industry and have a lot of people that are very analytical about the way that they look at games. So I have some friends that have been able to give me really good feedback as well. So, but the, those two approaches have been how I tried to tackle the playtesting problem. But it really, it wasn't until I was able to solve that problem that Grof was able to, able to make any progress. And, you know, we uh, hinted, or at least I hinted towards the beginning here that maybe we could talk a little bit about some of the skills that transitioned over. So what have you been able to bring over from your years in the video game space that has helped you to work on this card game? Well, sure. I used to work on this game called Darksiders, and that game has this kind of like really kind of grim fantasy sort of aesthetic. And I think that Gruff is definitely more lighthearted than that and a little bit more weird than that. But it, I think I, it hopefully carries in some of the things that we loved about working on that project. And then before that, I worked on the Warhammer 40k MMO that uh, was never released, but that really taught me a lot about miniature games. And Gruff inherits a little bit of the miniature game aesthetic and the, the like the positional element that happens in Gruff is inherited from or learned from miniature games. So that helps. But generally, I see my, my job as trying to solve gameplay problems using art and basically everything that I've done in that space, whether it's in environment art or whether it's in effects in the game or any other thing all of that problem solving skill translates right over into the tabletop space uh, in fact the tabletop space is quite a lot harder to solve because you have so little space to work with i don't want to get terribly ahead of obviously the project you already got going on but <laughs> do you have other things that you're also kind of working on that we may potentially see in the future if gruff continues on the path it does now yeah we have gruff probably planned out for the next seven years if uh if things go well like i mentioned we actually have a repository of hundreds of goats that are already <laughs> drawn up and growth began as a game where i had i want to say something like 180 goats uh already flushed out only 12 of those are shown in uh in this expansion so we have some really kind of crazy ideas that are coming down the pipe for example, we would like to do an expansion that features Zodiac goats. So they're actually uh, goats that, depending on the month that you were playing the game in, would be stronger or weaker. We have an expansion coming up that is primarily about goats that are themed after desserts. And they give benefits based on whether or not uh, they die. And if they die, then they give benefits to your team uh, because they gobble them up and get these uh, crazy dessert powers. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we have 
a uh, an expansion after that called Stuff of Nightmares that are all plushy goats, and hopefully we'll be able to introduce some some gruff plushies by then. Nice. Do you guys have any plans to do some of the uh, convention circuit? Yeah, I'll be going to Gen Con this year, and I've really loved going to Strategic Con. I'm in Southern California, so it's local for me, so it's extremely convenient. And that has been fabulous for just getting eyes on the game and getting feedback. So, yeah, I'll be going to BGG Con, Strategic Con, uh, uh, Gen Con, and uh, knock on wood, I'll be able to do packs. Still waiting to find out whether or not my booth gets approved for packs. Awesome. You guys have a booth at Gen Con? We're going to be part of the uh, the indie developers at Gen Con, which is going to be, I think, a single day of having a booth at Gen Con. Okay. And again, I'm, I'm waiting to, to find out when I can reserve my day. That, oh, uh, Indie Gamers Alliance, their booth? Yeah, exactly. Gotcha, gotcha. Cool, because I will have to try to track you down while I'm there so we can say hi in person. That'll be awesome. And if I don't, then just look for Gruff on the events page because I'm going to have several of those going for Gen Con. All right. You know, we keep kind of dancing around Gruff and, and talking about it. So maybe this is a good spot for us to focus in on Gruff and, and the Kickstarter project. How about you go ahead and give us your elevator pitch for Gruff? Elevator pitch for Gruff. Gruff is a tactical card game about mutated monster goats. You take the role of a shepherd that's bred the meanest, weirdest, and fattest goats possible, and you're out looking for a fight. You're going to go murder people with your custom team of fighting goats. (laughs) And this is a uh, two-player game, correct? Yep. Uh, Two to four player, actually. Okay. It supports a 2v2 version of the game. It also supports a four-player round-robin draft tournament. What are some of the mechanics that you're focusing in on? Well, the uh, the key to the uniqueness of Gruff, I think, it goes into the split turn idea, as opposed to other uh, card games that uh, every time you have a conflict between your cards, everything resolves all at once. What we wanted to simulate was a smaller moment of time. Basically, you'll throw a punch, and then they'll get an opportunity to dodge and react. So in Gruff, when you attack, uh, your attack doesn't resolve until the beginning of your next turn, and your opponent has his entire turn to, he can actually move the goat out of the way of, of an attack or play a card that defends him or uh, use different skills to buff him up so that he can survive the attack. It provides a lot of counterplay without the sort of like muddled confusion of other systems. And this is a complete package in a box, right? Yep, it's absolutely completely self-contained. You can do a four-player tournament with just a single box. And there's just tons of different types of combos and uh, team combinations that you can create. So it, the game behaves a little bit like uh, the game Smash Up in that each goat actually brings a preset deck of cards. You'll choose eight of those 15 cards per goat, and you'll shuffle them together to create your deck. So you can kind of see, like, with 12 goats, and you choose three of those goats, and you choose a subset of their cards. You can really make a game that's completely distinct every single time you play it. Nice. I absolutely love that in a game of night. I'm a big fan of Smash Up as well, so good pull to get me interested. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was pretty angry about Smash Up when I first saw it because <laughs> Gruff has been in development for three years, and when I saw Smash Up, I was like, oh, they made my idea, and then realized actually there's probably enough space for two uh, Smash Deck types of games, if not more, and uh, I'm actually really happy that it exists because now I can explain my game idea quite a bit easier by by referencing it. <laughs> So uh, roughly how long does a, a game take? It's 20 minutes if you really know the cards on both sides. 
and but expect to spend 45 minutes on your first time playing it. And let's see. Um, I know that you are well above what you were asking for. Yeah. So you've done, I'm assuming you had lots of cool stretch goals unlocked. And, and what is the next one that we're kind of hoping to get to? Well, we are really, really close to unlocking everything that you need for the four-player tournament. Close enough that I'm actually already presuming that, that it's going to be done. And that's uh, sliders for everybody, but we've also already unlocked Grimy Gobs, who's a goat that looks like he's made out of like giant piles of melty cheese. And uh, we've also unlocked a goat called Grinder, who is the master of retaliation. He's like this goat that's covered in this giant wheel of spikes, and he spins around and, and pokes people that try to take a swing at him. And then after after that four player mode, we've got a uh, a bunch of extra shepherds that we can unlock. And your shepherds basically they're your life total, and they track your resources. But they also have a special ability that basically triggers when you get below half life. They have an effect that goes off, and so they kind of represent your character in the game. And as a first time project and a first time uh, Kickstarter creator, what did you take into this project to try to ensure that you came out the other end successful? Uh, there's a couple things, you know, anytime you're, you're approaching a project like this, you want to have secret weapons and the secret weapon I have is, is my decade of experience in the video game industry and just knowing lots of people that know lots of people inside of that space. So I was very fortunate to have people that believed in me and were willing to like get out there and, and help get the word about the, out about the game on day one. Um, that was that was a big thing. In addition to that, it, you know, just the uh, having friends that were willing to to test it and work the bugs out with me that was that was a big thing. And I know you got uh, a bunch of reviews, and it was kind of a combination of quotes you pulled from people plus actual reviewers, which is is nice to see because I know I've seen some campaigns that try to I don't want to say get away with, but that just try to pull quotes and don't actually send out review copies Mm -hmm. and sometimes that can backfire. (laughs) Yeah. The review copy thing is, is actually really stressful (laughs) because (laughs) there's a, there's a degree of like investment into that. Like it is not cheap to make a really nice looking copy of your game to send out to people for reviews and you don't know what's going to happen when you send it out. So uh, at some point you, you want to be really careful about how many people you send your game off to for, to get reviews. Because right. you want to get, you know, you want to send the game to people that you think are going to like it. So that that was a, a huge learning experience for me. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth your time to do a little bit of research. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and just yeah, especially make sure that what you're sending off is something that's in their wheelhouse. And you know what? I'm gonna. We've had a really good conversation tonight, so I'm gonna forgive you for sending it over to Lance. <laughs> you know. <laughs> he loved the game. That he he really enjoyed it. So I'm glad I sent it to Lance. <laughs> yeah, Lance is actually a good friend of mine. Uh, <laughs> it's good people. Yeah, he really got into it. Yeah, I can totally see this being right up Lance's alley. So that was definitely a good uh, good grab for you for a review. <laughs> if you don't mind, you want to talk a little bit more about that as well. I mean, you've gone through sending out review copies what what did you do to research to kind of make sure that you were sending out copies to people that you thought would at least potentially enjoy the game well i i looked at the review history of the people i sent it out to 
I knew that I was creating a pretty pretty heavy game experience, and I knew it was kind of on par with uh, with other LCGs like Android Netrunner. And so I actually used Android as my litmus test, and I tried to find reviewers that had taken a look at Android, uh, I guess, taken a look at Netrunner, and had given feedback on it. Also, my experience with playing and testing the game has shown that that uh, tabletop players are tend to be more excited about Gruff, uh, meaning tabletop miniature players. So I like to find uh, reviewers that were also excited about things like War Machine or Warhammer 40k, things like that. Because it is a it, it's a combat game. It's it's about fighting, you know, and it's a, it's got a lot of positional elements that, that players like that seem to find exciting. Well, damn you, Brent! <laughs> you, you've mentioned Smash Up and Android Netrunner, so <laughs> you've kind of hit me where I where I live. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to take another look here <laughs> and maybe get on tap- board. Have so, Lance on the shoulder. I think he's looking for people to play with. Yeah, unfortunately, Lance and I don't live. Uh, we live in the same state, but like as far away from each other as we possibly can. Oh, uh, bummer. So we see each other like uh, twice a year, maybe. Uh, otherwise, we we talk every once in a while online or something. But yeah, it's we. There's a, a big convention here in Minnesota. That well, the big one for Minnesota that we uh, try to attend together when we can. Unfortunately, I've missed that the last couple of years. And then we see each other at Gen Con if, if we both go. <laughs> well, I'll, uh, I'll send a copy over to you. I bet you like it. Yeah, it looks it looks amazing. And, of course, I, I don't have any doubts about that anyway with, with you guys having the art background. But I know uh, I, I've, it's been on my radar off and on. You know, you and I belong to some of the same Facebook groups and stuff like that as well. So I've seen it kind of pop in and out of my feed and it looks absolutely beautiful and everything that you've kind of put together for it. It's got a nice unique look to it as well. And I think obviously the public agrees because you're well, well over your funding goal. And of course I'll gladly do some stats right at the end of the conversation like I normally do here. But you know, here's a question that I always like to ask before I wrap up any conversation let's say somebody is listening to you and I have this conversation and they decide to whatever they decide to pause or they wait to the end and they go over to the Kickstarter page and start looking at gruff and they're like, um, you know, I might be on, on for this. I, I could maybe see myself with this. They're just on the fence about it. Do you have a couple things that you could tell them that make them go, you know what, Brent, you're absolutely right. I have to back gruff right now. <laughs> The thing I love about Gruff, I, I made a game that I wanted to play. It's the game that I was passionate about playing, but I couldn't find it anywhere on the market. And what I love about Gruff is the ability to really express yourself through a game system. And when I play Gruff, even though I am the designer, I don't feel like I'm playing the game that I created for myself. I am still feeling like I'm finding things inside of the system. So if you're the kind of player that wants to find little combos, if you're the type of player that likes to find synergies between different types of things and express that and use and not just beat your enemy but beat them with style well then the gruff is the kind of game that you're gonna love awesome i also like what you kind of said earlier it sounds like it's got a nice piece of replayability built in with where you're picking only certain goats and then a subset of those goats cards so that the next time you play maybe you play uh, either different goats or a different subset of their cards and so you can get a different feel out of the game just by switching up some cards, it sounds like. Yep, absolutely. Gruff was designed to be a hobby game. 
So we weren't even really thinking about it in terms of uh, replayability. We were thinking about it in terms of individual customizability, trying to like allow the players to have as many different types of gameplay choices as possible. Because we want people to be playing this game for an, a really long time. And of course, if you've been listening through our conversation here, Brent has definitely got many, many expansions in the works and, and ideas to kind of expand on Gruff. And it sounds like Studio O will be happy to continue to supply us with our Gruff fix for some time to come. Yep. If, uh, if you guys keep wanting it, I'm going to keep making it. The uh, next one on the horizon is uh, test named as Flesh and Bones. It'll be Gruff, Flesh and Bones, and we'll see a whole bunch of crazy new goats coming out for that. We've actually got our first one finished as far as art goes already. All right, so I know I asked you uh, a little earlier about the Kickstarter process and, and what you did to kind of prepare for it, but as we're kind of wrapping up here, are there any tips that you would like to provide or, or lessons that you've learned that you would like to share with people coming up behind you here? One of the most stressful things with the literal creation of the Kickstarter campaign was the review process. I would try to plan for more time uh, than I did, like two months at least uh, of time to create your prototype and then get it off to, to people and then try to get secured feedback from people which I know is really hard to do because your game has to be done by that point or done enough that you want to show it. And so you, you but it's worth it to spend the time. That's definitely been the most stressful part of it is at one point I sent my game off to the printers and it came back and the color quality was just disastrous and I couldn't show it to anybody and it threw off my schedule and I, it almost pushed back my uh, Kickstarter campaign by a month. So I would give yourself lots of time to get that type of feedback. And I, I think just to kind of iterate a bit, if it would have pushed it back a month, you would have been okay with that. Obviously, you wanted to launch when you wanted to launch, but would you have been okay with that from the aspect of you know making sure you had the proper things in place or the copies of the game that you wanted to send out to people? Would you have either, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, would you have stuck with your original date or would you have allowed the month pushback well i think i announced my date maybe a little bit earlier than i would have wanted to by the time i've created oh you're one of those guys yeah <laughs> by, the, by the time i created the expectation in everyone's mind that like this game's coming out on may 1st be there like push the button when it comes out and then i had i tripped over my reviews like uh man i was between a rock and a hard place but i very much considered pushing it back I would have if uh, if things hadn't come together, but they did. And so it worked out. And one of the other things you said, which uh, is something that I know people that I work with for reviews and stuff, we always try to stress as well is we try to be a part of the planning process, not part of the, of the afterthought process. Mm -hmm. So we always encourage people to reach out to us two plus months in advance as well. And kind of like what you're saying. And I know, I mean, it, it sounds hard to do depending on where you are in the game. And of course, once you get a game complete, you're chomping at the bit to get it out there and get it in people's hands. But reviewers have, you're not the only person that's, that's kind of <laughs> talked to a reviewer today, you know, that, that kind of yeah. thing. And I, I mean, I, I have, I've, I've actually on Google Hangouts with some of our, our Patreon supporters shown my calendar and everybody's just kind of went, what, w when do you breathe? 
<laughs> I was like, well, you see this little dot right here? That's when I've scheduled breathing. That's that's when I'll worry about that. Yep. So, yeah, it's definitely always worthwhile to reach out as, as soon as you can to a reviewer, and that's something that we we like to stress up front. Yep. It'll make their life easier. It'll make your life easier. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're looking for at least the, you can stagger reviews, but the reviews that you're looking for to have on your page as you launch, you should at least get probably two months to make sure that those can happen. <laughs> yep. That is super true. <laughs> uh, I want to say Lance's review came in that morning, like <laughs> probably about an hour before. Yeah. So thanks, Lance. If you're listening to this, you're, you're a champion. Uh, Lance, Lance isn't listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, anything else that you want to cover about the campaign or anything that you want to say before I kind of give the quick stats for the campaign here? Yeah. I want to say thanks to everybody that's come out and supported Gruff already. The show of support has been just awesome and exciting. and. Uh, very humbling and i you know just want to want to say thanks i i am really looking forward to playing the game with everyone that is has backed it i uh, i know this is going to be something that you're going to love if you uh you like card games if you uh are curious about what it feels like to command an army of mutated monster goats <laughs> this, this is the game for you <laughs> Yeah. And you know, that's, that's one of the things I was going to kind of bring up too and, and kind of space during our conversation. But, uh, since you kind of mentioned, you know, thanking people that have already come out and supported it. I mean, you, you, I mean, as we record this, you've still got like 17 days to go. Uh, mm -hmm. and you've got over 600 backers and a lot of people for their first time campaign would be ecstatic to hit 200, 300, maybe sometimes. Um, so, and, and that's by end of campaign, <laughs> yeah. uh, you've got plenty of time left and obviously you've come up with a concept that, and a game that people, uh, is resonating with people because you've already got 600 people at the door, uh, saying, give me at least one copy of this game. So that is awesome. Congratulations. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's been, been overwhelming, but it's been really awesome. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and do this real quick. Ready? Okay. And, you know, feel free to correct me where I'm wrong. <laughs> if I had... All right, so Gruff, the tactical card game of mutated monster goats, is on Kickstarter right now, going through May 31st, 2015. Brent was looking for $10,000, well above that now. <laughs> uh, working on $23,000, I believe, at this point, getting close to that. So again, plenty of stretch goals like we talked about earlier have already been unlocked. Plenty more are coming up. If this sounds like something that you are uh, interested in, again, a two to four player game, uh, you can play it in 20 to 45 minutes. It's a tactical card game about mutated goats, my friends. How can you not be interested in that? As you heard us talk, uh, it's got some smash up elements. It's got some Android Netrunner elements. It's got some, uh, miniature combat style elements. All goodness wrapped in a card game. So you have until May 31st, 2015 to go check that out. Of course, as always, if you're looking for the link, I will put one in the show notes. Along with, as we wrap up here, I'm going to ask Brent how uh, uh, how we can follow him and get a hold of him and, and follow his progress. Those will all be in the show notes, of course, like we always do. But you can also go over to Kickstarter and just search for Gruff. 
check it out. It looks like an amazing game. My wallet is sitting here ready. I got to finish up this conversation uh, and, and get on board. So, Brent, before we go, how can people follow you or check out what you have going on via the social medias, if you will? Well, there's a lot of ways to keep tabs on Gruff. You can look at Twitter at at four, the number four science. That's where I uh, spam out all of my delicious updates about Gruff, as well as the Kickstarter main page, uh, which gets its updates on a regular basis during the campaign. And I'll be supporting it after the campaign as well. If you look for Studio Woe on Facebook, uh, we are on there and we, we keep a regular presence. And you can always find us at studiowoe.com. And that will be the location of our forums after the campaign uh, wraps up. Excellent. Like I said, I will make sure to put those in the show notes, everybody. So you can check our show notes and check out all of those links. All right, Brent, thank you very much for coming on and hanging out with me tonight, man. Thank you very much, Jeff. It's been a pleasure. It, it has been awesome. I've, I've had a good time talking to you. I've had a good time learning a little bit more about Gruff and uh, you know what you've brought to the table for your first Kickstarter, which is obviously a huge success for you guys so far. So I love seeing that. I think it's awesome. And uh, thank you for sharing with me and my audience. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. There you go. There's another awesome interview that we've got. Uh, and of course, I will have many more coming soon. Thanks for listening. Thank you for checking out a United Geeks Network family member. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other online media with a geek culture slant, head over to unitedgeeksnetwork.com where you will find Indie Conquest, a blog helping indie board game designers succeed, providing useful resources from designing games, utilizing Kickstarter, and finally manufacturing and distributing your games. The United Geeks Network. You can broadcast your geekiness at unitedgeeksnetwork.com.